Welcome to Healthy Hawkesbury, a podcast for people living in our area, brought to you by the leading health experts servicing our community. Our program is brought to you by St John of God Healthcare's Hawkesbury District Health Service, your local hospital positioned in the heart of the magnificent Hawkesbury Valley. Health professionals in conversation, talking about what matters most to our community. We cover all range of topics, from the latest innovations, fascinating histories of conditions and treatments, to the ailments that are particularly prevalent in the Hawkesbury. With a panel of health experts, we'll explore everything health-related from advice, insights and access. Brought to you by our community, for our community. The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature only. It should not be relied on to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease or as a substitute for the specific advice of a health professional. Hawkesbury District Health Service does not assume liability for the accuracy or completeness of the information. If you are seeking advice relevant to your particular circumstances or are feeling unwell, you should seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any surgical or invasive procedure carries risks. Before proceeding, you should seek a second opinion from an appropriately qualified health practitioner. Welcome to Healthy Hawkesbury. I'm Dr Tony Rombola and I've been a Hawkesbury GP for more than 25 years. Today we're talking about a topic that has likely affected all of us in one way or another, and that's cancer. This is an issue I'm particularly passionate about because with prevention and early interventions, many cancers can be treated effectively. This is also an area where there have been a lot of medical advances. Interestingly, the Hawkesbury region has higher cancer rates than the New South Wales average, and these statistics appear to be on the rise. In the latest statistics in 2018, Cancer New South Wales projected that the Hawkesbury region would be set to have the highest incidence of bowel cancer, as well as the fourth highest incidence of melanoma in this state. While we can't equivocally say why this is occurring, we do know what the most significant risk factors for specific cancers are. Take, for example, bowel cancer. We understand that age and family history are the most significant risk factors followed by smoking, high alcohol consumption, being overweight or obese, and higher consumption of red and processed meats. The good news is bowel cancer screening can detect precancerous lesions, which can be treated before cancer develops. Screening therefore has the capacity to significantly reduce bowel cancer rates. So I'd like to remind everybody listening to ensure they undertake their screening. Today, I'm talking with two people who have a profound understanding of cancer and the impact it has on the lives of people in our community, especially when it comes to navigating the health system. Jodie Amor, founder and spokeswoman for Pink Fins, a local support group for women who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Pink Fins has raised over $2.1 million which has enabled the organisation to assist more than 220 women and their families financially. Jodie, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. I'd also like to introduce cancer surgeon Dr Shadi Faraj, who specialises in both breast and thyroid surgery. As a result of Shadi's work, 
Hawkesbury Hospital recently reached a milestone with 100 successful thyroidectomies performed at this facility. Welcome, Shadi. Thanks very much, Tony. Thanks for having me, mate. Jody, can you tell us about how you first found out about your diagnosis? I was actually just having a routine checkup with my GP and was super thorough each year in making sure I had my annual checks. I had no family history of breast cancer and I had no lumps or bumps that I was concerned about. But my GP had seen a lot of younger women diagnosed at the time, so decided she would send me off for an ultrasound as a precaution. Being diagnosed with breast cancer was the last thing I was expected, given that I had no lumps or bumps, so when I received the news, I was in complete shock. Nothing can prepare you for that diagnosis, particularly when you are so young and you have small children. So Jody, what were the biggest challenges throughout your treatment, and how did you navigate the system and source the right support? For me, the challenge was around living in the Hawkesbury and being so far away from my treatment and also juggling the doctors, the chemotherapy, the surgery, etc. with a young family. There were mental challenges too because I had two young kids and I wasn't sure what to tell them and how long I was going to be a part of their future. These are things that you you have no answers for, but somehow I had to mentally try to deal with them on a daily basis. We hear a lot from women today who struggle with a lack of information when diagnosed and just not knowing where to start and who to turn to, which is why it is so important that we get to these ladies as early on in the process as possible so we can help them navigate through those fears. I was lucky in that I had a great relationship with my GP who was very supportive and who booked me into a great specialist straight away and I had a system there to support me. But for some, they fall through the cracks and they have to do it all on their own, which would be absolutely terrifying. So how many health experts did you see through the course of your cancer diagnosis, treatment and aftercare? Well, it's really an ongoing process until you reach the five-year mark and then your checkups become a little less regular. But for those first few years, it's a whirlwind of appointments. I had a lumpectomy, my lumpectomy wasn't clear, I then had to go in and have uh, make the choice of having a mastectomy, then I had 15 months of um, chemotherapy and another therapy called Herceptin, then I made the choice to go back um, two years later and remove my other breast, have another mastectomy, um, and then start reconstruction. Well, this really seems like a big ordeal. How did you manage all this? A good diary, uh, lots of family and friends to drive me around and keep me company. I also made sure I tried to exercise throughout my treatment, even if it was just going for a little short walk each day, as it made me feel so much better and, um, yeah, just kept me going. I started exercising and competing in triathlons through my treatment as a way of keeping focused. And one year at a triathlon, I raised $20,000 for breast cancer research. And it was then then I realised that I could keep fundraising and give the money I raised back to the women in the Hawkesbury that had been diagnosed with cancer and who needed help. Some years ago, the PHN identified that Hawkesbury residents raised concerns about long and practical travel to access cancer services. In your opinion, is this still a concern or has the situation improved? I think it's fantastic that the Hawkesbury District Health Service now have access to an oncology unit. So there is a choice for some patients to have chemotherapy right here in Windsor. However, the majority of our ladies travel to Nepean, Blacktown and Westmead. And some even go as far as the city to have their treatment, which can take a toll on them over a period of time, particularly if it's radiation and you have to go there daily. 
I'll turn now to Shadi. Shadi, what drew you to the area and how long have you been working in the region? The journey to become a surgeon, you actually have to train a few years and every six months you change hospitals. Um, and I was fortunate enough to do my registrar training years. I did six months at Hawkesbury Hospital and I loved the place. I loved the surgeons at the time, the, the nursing staff, um, the whole hospital feel. And when I was given the opportunity in 2014 um, to become a consultant and a cancer surgeon here, I was more than honoured to, to become one. So why did you specialise in cancer surgery, particularly thyroid and breast cancer? I think any cancer, and I think once patients get that diagnosis or hear that word, it's probably the toughest moment in their life and they have a real battle ahead of them. And I guess they're their most vulnerable, as Jody said earlier. And it's a privilege to be able to help and sometimes cure patients with these terrible diseases. So like Jody has mentioned, in most cases, patients who are diagnosed with cancer have to navigate a very complex system. When a patient arrives at your office, what stage are they at in their cancer journey and how often would you see a patient during the course of their treatment? Usually they're at the very beginning of their, their journey. Um, some patients don't actually know they have cancer when they see me, so unfortunately I have the role of breaking that bad news, which can be traumatising to the patients in front of me. But um, we work through it together. We explain the diagnosis and we try and organise the appropriate treatment, give them the various options that are available. Um, and then I see them, like Jody mentioned, for many years, especially the breast cancer patients for the first five years after they've been treated for their cancers. Now, a cancer diagnosis is confronting and confusing for people. So if one of your own family members was going to see a surgeon, what are a few things you would recommend they should ask their doctor? Well, I think, first of all, do your research, know who you're going to see, uh, maybe get advice from people that have had the diagnosis or there are a lot of forums or organisations like the Pink Fins where you can talk to other women who have been diagnosed with the same cancers, um, whether that be breast or thyroid cancer. I, I always advise patients to write down a list of questions they want to ask before they get to the appointment because a lot of time it can be overbearing and, and overwhelming when they're sitting with the specialist um, and it's good to refer to, to certain questions that they've written down. Ask the surgeon, don't hesitate to ask what their experience in the field is, how many surgeries of this type they've done and what their outcomes are. I urge patients to, if they're worried or at all concerned, um, having getting a second opinion is never a bad thing. It's always a good thing. It's your health. And I don't think any health professional would mind um, if a patient wanted to get a second opinion um, and make sure they actually are qualified in the area that they're treating. So what do you generally advise patients when they initially see you in order to help them understand and make decisions about their care? Well, I think as a surgeon, as a doctor, we do have to um, try and use the minimal amount of medical jargon. I think that's very important when patients see us and, and try and explain to the patients in an understandable and easy way for them to understand what the process involves, what the surgery involves and what to expect after they recover from the surgery. Um, Sometimes patients do have to undergo chemotherapy or radiotherapy in certain situations and it's important for them to understand that um, it's not over once we finish operating. It is a journey and we are always there for them. So as a surgeon, what advances have there been in your field that would reassure patients about the quality of cancer surgery that we see today? Well, surgery has changed and it's continuing to change. And I think um, as a specialist, I do try and keep up to date with the most advanced techniques. Thyroid surgery, for example, we do use nerve monitors which um, uh, allow us to have a good look 
at the recurrent laryngeal nerve, which controls the vocal cords, and that gives the patients their voice um, And in order for us not to damage that during an operation as it is at risk. Um, breast surgery is evolving all the time. We are doing more and more lumpectomies now, which is removal of only part of the breast, and don't do as many mastectomies as they would have done 30 to 40 years ago. Um, and with the progress in radiotherapy, um, that enables us to, to perform lumpectomies and get similar survival rates as mastectomies, which is great for patients. You've also performed over 100 thyroidectomy procedures here at the Hawkesbury. This is a great milestone. In your opinion, why is this so important for the local community? Well, I think some of that credit has to be given to, to the team here at Hawkesbury Hospital. That includes nursing staff, administration, and the hospital itself. Um, when I started in 2014, I was asked what um, instruments or what equipment do you need to, to safely perform the surgeries you do. And Hawkesbury Hospital, without a doubt, um, offered their um, support and purchased the NIM monitor that I mentioned earlier, which, is, which costs tens of thousands of dollars um, for the safety of the Hawkesbury patients. Now, we, 100 thyroidectomies have been done with support of um, specialised um, nursing staff in that area. Thankfully, we've had no complications um, during those surgeries and we're, we're very proud of that achievement. Just bringing Jody back in again, what gave you the initial idea for pink fins? I was lucky when I was diagnosed with breast cancer 13 years ago that I had so much love and support from my family and friends, but sometimes all you want is to talk to other women who are going through the same thing. Just because there is an understanding of how you feel, there are also some conversations and emotions that you just don't want to burden your family and loved ones with. I felt isolated living in the Hawkesbury because the closest support group that I was offered was in Westmead. So I decided that as soon as I was finished my treatment, I would set up a support group in the Hawkesbury. Jodie, I know Pink Fins was initially focused on breast cancer. Why did it branch out to other cancers? In 2017, we made a decision to be able to help as many women as we can, whether it was breast cancer or any other type of cancer. We just realised that there was a demand there um, and I just felt that every woman um, obviously um, suffers and we were in a situation that we could help that little bit more. Um, so we had obviously quite a few ladies that had come to us too with different types of cancers and we just wanted to help. We just wanted to do whatever we could to help women. That's fantastic. Can you give us a specific example of how Pink Fins has recently supported someone living with cancer? Yes. I think one of the things, though, that makes Pink Fins unique is that we get to know each lady um, and find out exactly how we can help. For some women, they're just needing support groups. Some really struggle with losing their hair, so we can help them with a wig. Um, that's where I was this morning, actually helping a lady with a new wig after her, losing all her hair yesterday. Some don't have a, a lot of family support, so they really benefit from the meals or cleaning. Each lady, as I said, is so different. Um, we aim to help specifically with what they personally need. Those needs change, though, throughout their journey, and we always try to adapt with what they are needing at that time. Quite often, they need mental health after they finish treatment because they have to live then with the fear of cancer returning. And the family also might need help there too because of their own fears around cancer, particularly if they have lost a mum and daughter. Um, yeah, they've just passed away. It's also helping women connecting with information and services too. 
We've developed great relationships over the years with a network of social workers, counsellors, palliative care nurses, community nurses and breast care nurses. So it helps that we can call on them at any time and we can all work together in providing a great service to all women in the Hawkesbury. Thank you for sharing that. I'll just bring Dr. Faraj back in now. Um, So Shadi, what's your experience of pink fins and can you give us an example of how they have supported one of your patients? Yeah, well, a couple of years ago, I went and met Jodie and her um, best friend, who also helps in the place, Kim. Um, both lovely ladies, and I was—it's I was, a very admirable cause um, that they've created there with Pink Fins. Um, total respect to them both, and I really appreciate all their hard work that they're putting in. One of the patients that I did refer to them, I, I still remember. I asked after the fir- the first few visits they had when I saw her in the office, and she said. Doctor, you can understand the physical aspects of my disease. My family can understand um, the emotional aspect can be supportive. But when you speak to other women that are going through the same thing, they actually understand exactly what I'm going through. And that makes it a lot easier. And I think that support, that that mental support that other women can give um, to to patients as they're going through it from their own experience really helps. They're, they're a valuable asset um, to the local community, as is you know offering the same way that surgery is done locally at St John of God, the same way that we're able to give some chemotherapy locally. Having a local support group to these women is an enormous advantage and, and is a necessity. So just turning now to the GP's perspective, and my advice to patients is to minimise your risk of uh, getting a cancer by evaluating your own risk factors, particularly if you're a smoker you should just stop, as there is no safe level of smoking. Moderate your alcohol intake, have a balanced diet, aim for a healthy weight, and protect your skin when you're out in the sun. Use the screening programs that are available to detect bowel cancer, breast cancer, and cervical cancer, and have a regular checkup with your own GP and seek advice early if there are any worrying signs or symptoms. So just turning to our guests now, We can't avoid asking this question of both of you. What is the impact of COVID-19 on people who have been diagnosed? I know as a GP, the impact for people living with cancer has added an additional level of stress. And additionally, it's well known that patients have delayed attending for cancer screening during this pandemic. It has definitely added an additional layer of stress and fear. Um, And as a cancer survivor, I can't even imagine how I would have dealt with a cancer diagnosis during a global pandemic. It would have been terrifying. There's also been an impact because they haven't been able to access the usual face-to-face services that we offer, like our support group meetings and with the cleaners and oncology massage, for an example. From a, uh, a breast screen perspective, unfortunately, breast screen, as we all know, is set up by New South Wales Health and it involves women between the ages of 50 and 74 and they get um, second yearly checks um, to make sure there's no early breast cancers. And during the few months from March, unfortunately, that was closed, which meant all we were seeing were the advanced cancers, not the smaller ones. And and now that's thankfully um, opened up again. So we, we are starting to get patients, but I do urge patients regardless of whether they have symptoms or not, to have their screening done because it's extremely important. Um, Not only screening for breast cancer, but like Tony was mentioning earlier, get your faecal occult blood tests, which are for bowel cancer. Um, They can pick up bowel cancer. And men, please don't forget about prostate checks, etc. So have you seen changes in patients' attitude and approach to the health system? And have you yourselves had to approach things differently? I think the situation with COVID has made some of our ladies question 
whether to continue on with their usual annual health checks. And because of their condition, they have been too scared to visit the doctors and have their usual scans. We've also had to suspend all of our face-to-face support group meetings because of the increased risk to the ladies in our group. So from March to September, we hosted support group meetings online. And in September, we actually started holding our support group meetings outdoors in the park. And the ladies, they just desperately needed, needed that. Unfortunately, though, COVID hasn't stopped cancer and we have still been meeting newly diagnosed ladies throughout this time in a COVID safe way, of course. But we are so pleased that we have been able to help some of these newly diagnosed ladies through this process. In March, when elective surgery decreased and and the government banned elective surgery from happening, um, it was also the fear of the unknown. We didn't know where COVID was taking us at the time. So the hospital, obviously the staff in the hospital stepped up. We all practiced for worst case scenario, et cetera. But never once did the staff at St John or God or any of the surgeons or nursing staff um, turn back any patients, urgent cancer patients or urgent non-cancer patients. So I feel very proud to be a part of the local community hospital who did our best during tough times. So that's it for this episode of Healthy Hawkesbury. I would like to thank both our guests, Jody Amor and Dr. Shadi Faraj. I'm Dr. Tony Rombola, and until next time, stay healthy and take care. Thanks for listening to Healthy Hawkesbury. If you'd like to learn more about our hospital, doctors and services, please head to sjog.org.au forward slash Hawkesbury or subscribe to Healthy Hawkesbury on your favourite podcast app.